The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. And I know that some of you are listening live who would ordinarily listen to the podcast. And if indeed you are catching us on the live stream and you want to call in and speak to our guests today, the call-in numbers are 888-558-6489 or 816-347-5519. Because guess what we're going to be talking about? Three of my favorite subjects with two of my favorite people. The people are Michael and Ethan Suchman Cement, who are the authors of a brand new fabulous book called NYC Vegan. So the three subjects that are close to my heart and I hope close to yours are vegan books and vegan food and New York City. Before I bring on my guests, I do need to share with you a little New York City miracle to kind of set the stage for today's topic. Just about an hour ago, I was coming home in the subway, and I was on Instagram and noticed a really cute picture of my dog, Forbes, that I had posted a day or two ago, but I couldn't do anything on Instagram because I was underground, and something just moved me to say to the person sitting next to me, would you like to see this picture of my dog? Now, if you were looking at this scene from the outside, you would think that my seatmate and I 
had very little in common because he happens to be male and I'm female and he's black and I'm white and he's young and I'm young at heart. And yet, as soon as he saw that picture of Forbes, he got this great big smile. And then we started talking about dogs and animals and what we're into. And what he's into is the secret and creative visualization. And he said, for about six years now, I think what I want to come into my life, and when I'm around negativity, I just turn and go the other way. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is the exact perfect person I'm supposed to be talking to right now. And then when I told him my Instagram handle, that happens to be Main Street Vegan, he said, oh, I used to be pescatarian, but everybody around me is eating burgers and all that stuff. So we started talking about how societal influences cause us to do things that maybe we haven't even thought about or don't want to do. And I told him about the Ayurveda Cafe, which is a lovely vegetarian and spiritual restaurant here in the city. And just as I was about to get off the train, he said, here, I want you to have this. And he hands me this thing that at first sight looks like a $100 bill. But what it is are a wallet that he makes, you know, those very thin wallets and his that he makes and distributes look like hundred dollar bills. So I walked off the train with a gift I did not expect to get and probably layers of gifts. So I just wanted to share that with you because that can happen anywhere. It just seems that New York City makes it happen more often. And I think some of those things happen with the food here, too. I love that word in the subtitle of NYC Vegan. That is iconic. We're talking about iconic food from the Big Apple. So without further ado, let me introduce to you, oh, these two guys, I just adore them, Michael Suchman and Ethan Cement, founded and run the popular blog veganmos.com. They were named one of the top 10 male vegan bloggers for 2015 by Veg News Magazine, and they won a 2016 Bloggy Award as one of the top vegan blogs to follow from the same magazine. Their first cookbook, NYC Vegan, Iconic Recipes for a Taste of the Big Apple, was released yesterday. And if you are not sufficiently impressed, guess what? They got a great big famous actor to write their foreword. We'll talk about that and so much else right about now. Hey there, Michael and Ethan. Hey, Victoria. Hi there. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. I'm so excited that this is your book birthing week. (laughs) It just came out. You're having all kinds of parties and signings and launches. So may it simply set the world on fire. So tell us... How come you wrote this book? Um, how come? That's a really <laughs> odd one. <laughs> Everyone's asking, like, what inspired it or had the idea come about. Why did we write a book? Um, we just had a lot, a lot of recipes, and we wanted to know what to do with them beyond our blog. And we realized the best way to really reach people is do a really good cookbook and you one of the things you always talk about as a writer is write what you know and write what you care about and these are two things we care about is new york city and vegan food you know one of the things also victoria that um 
that sort of inspired us. We were getting really sick and tired of our non-vegan, or as we like to think of them, pre-vegan friends coming over, having meals at our apartment or beforehand when we had a house in New Jersey at our home, and saying, ah, if I could only cook like this, if I knew how to cook like this, I could be vegan every day. I just, how do you cook like this? And so we sort of thought, well, we'll create a manual for everybody, and then that way now they have no excuse. Mm-hmm. And the idea for steering it towards um, New York City kind of food, where did that come well, in? So, I mean, it was a really interesting thing. We were looking at our recipes that we had had, and we were actually stumped for a while trying to find sort of um, what the theme was. And we were searching around for different themes, playing around with it, and everyone that we sort of tested with each other and with a couple of friends, it just it didn't stick. It didn't feel right. And so, we, you know, it's got to feel right when you're writing something. And um, uh, one day I just sort of took a step back and realized that there was a common thread in all of it. And that this was really our life in New York, the foods that we're exposed to, the cultural foods that we've inherited from our families who immigrated to New York and, and, and you know, stayed in New York. And uh, this, was a, this was a really, um, as soon as it became sort of apparent, like this is a New York-themed book, then we were able to expand upon that and really um, open it up in a, in a broader sense. Well, you've done a magnificent job. I don't have my paper book yet. So (laughs) you were kind enough to send me a PDF, and I know I did look at the manuscript to give you a blurb several months ago, but I'm just craving the paper book. And, oh, everybody, go over to Amazon or BN.com and and take a look at this cover. It's this fabulous kind of milkshake. (laughs) It just totally draws me in. So how do you have you set it up? And what are the starring recipes? Wow. So the starring, well, first of all, let's, let's talk about the cover first. Okay, <laughs> that let's do. We need to give a big shout-out to Jackie Soban of the blog Vegan Yak Attack. She did all the photography for this book. And we knew our food tasted good. She made it look absolutely spectacular. And so that. The cover image, for people who don't have the book, is of a vegan version of the classic New York City Reuben sandwich just oozing with melted vegan cheese and sauerkraut and tempeh on grilled bread with a nice Brooklyn egg cream in the background. Um, some of the, So that's one of the big signature New York foods in the book. And there's also a New York egg cream. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, before we go any further, as a girl from Kansas City, even though I've lived here for 17 years, I still don't know what an egg cream is. (laughs) I grew up with a mother from Brooklyn, so this was something I had heard about my entire life was, oh, I used to get egg creams when I was a little girl. And to me, just that whole concept of drinking an egg cream just sounded absolutely vile. And then going vegan, it sounded even worse. But I've came to learn that an egg cream is really just um, basically you take a chocolate milk and add seltzer to it. So it's just a fuzzy chocolate milk. And we do ours with, um, I like to use uh, coconut milk creamer because it's really rich and delicious. But really you can use any kind of plant-based milk you want, some chocolate syrup, add seltzer to it, and there you go. Well, 
everybody. Yeah, Don't we want they'll... the book just for that? Yeah, and that's exactly. one of those strange, wordy things that should never have been called what it was called. No, it should that. not have been. Yeah. Easily vegan from the beginning. Okay, go, go on. So take us through some of these... <laughs> So, um, so starting right at the beginning, I mean, you can't think of New York without thinking of New York City bagels. So we have a great recipe for bagels in there. And if you want some good lunch foods, we have like a Waldorf salad, which was created originally at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel right here in New York. We also have um, a recipe sticking with the carbohydrate theme, which is my, my <laughs> personal love, um, the, uh, the sort of famous uh, street vendors who put out these um, those hot pretzels. So we have a recipe for making your own hot pretzels because the ones in New York are unfortunately washed with egg wash, and so they're not vegan. Um, and we also have a great recipe for a classic New York um, New York cheesecake. And uh, what else? My I gosh, mean, basically, if you think if you think of a food, if you think of New York and a food comes to mind, we hope we have it in this book, Aww. including you know pizza. You know, everyone likes a good New York slice of pizza. And our whole goal is to show people that you can have all the flavors of New York, but vegan. And what's interesting to me is this sounds difficult. It sounds like, oh, my gosh, you would be slaving over the proverbial hot stove all day. And I know that you're both professional people and you work all day and you have a lot going on. I know Ethan's on the board of Woodstock Farm Sanctuary. You're always giving parties and benefits and events for animal rights and this and that. So it's not that you're spending all this time cooking. You've just figured out how to do it well. Yeah, because neither of us are trained chefs. We're just home cooks. We learned how to cook watching our family members do it. So for us, cooking is all about making delicious food but not spending your entire day or evening having to prepare it. It's also, to, to, to put it sort of very bluntly, it's very utilitarian. I mean, we, we, like you said, we don't have a ton of time to, to do these things on, on, on the regular. And so the idea that we could sort of draw from our own life experiences and show people how sometimes you don't need to... Um, slave over, as you said, the proverbial hot stove, or, or, or just really um, really make things very complicated. Very often, some of the best things are extremely beautiful in their simplicity. Mm. And uh, that's not to take away from people who, who do incredibly imaginative and creative and complex culinary masterpieces um, that are the results of years of training. I mean, we definitely appreciate that. But for, for the overwhelming majority of us, being able to just sort of prepare a really wholesome, delicious, you know, vegan, plant-based meal, I mean, that's, that's the answer here. It is indeed. And yet, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody making their own bagel. I guess I <laughs> thought it was one of those things that had to happen in some special commercial kitchen somewhere. And the bagel is so quintessentially New York. As I think about my my new friend that I met today and the secret and the visualization, when I was living in Kansas City and thought that coming to New York and surviving in New York as a freelance writer was just the craziest (laughs) thing that could ever happen. And I'm visualizing, visualizing. And then I thought, wait a minute, you're going to have to do more than visual. You're going to have to start you know, buying fresh flowers, because I heard that was one of the things that was cheap in New York. And and I got my nails done every week, because I heard everybody does that in New York. And then I started eating bagels for breakfast, because I was trying to create a New York life before I got here. And the bagel is just so perfect. 
that even before there was commercial vegan cream cheese, you know, you get a good one and that makes your breakfast. It's true. Absolutely. Although I will say that to anybody who is trying to make this outside of the metro area, it is unquestionable at this point that the secret to a really proper New York style bagel is not necessarily as much in the recipe, but the water. The water here in New York, that, that's really um, good old New York City tap water. That is the answer. I have heard that. I just didn't know if that was a wives' tale or not. Guess not. No, it's, it's unfortunately true. So, I mean, you're going to have to come and make this in New York. <laughs> oh, how fun. So, so are you going to be... not in New York, you should still make them also. Yes, you should. Absolutely. It's good to bake your own bread. So are you going to be traveling around, seeing people in other places? We are. We are actually starting off this coming Saturday in my hometown of Chappaqua, New York, in northern Westchester, at the Scattered Books bookstore, which will be, it's really exciting for me to, it's sort of like the homecoming. It's like, okay, coming back to where I basically started, and hopefully my first grade teacher is actually going to be showing up there, so the very person who taught me how to actually write words is going to be there when I'm signing my name to a book I wrote. That's special. Yeah, that is very, that's a real circle of life moment. And, and then, so if we, go ahead. Yeah, then after that, we are going to be, we've got two events in New York City next weekend. We'll be at Paralandra Natural Foods in Brooklyn, then at the New York City Vegetarian Food Festival on Sunday the 21st doing a food demo and book signing. And then we're going to start crisscrossing the country for the next several months. Wonderful. And all that information is on the, the Vegan Mo's website? Yes, it's, it's all on veganmo's.com, and we've got a special tab that says book tour, so people can log in, find out where we're going to be, and we are constantly looking for new cities to add. And so if we're not coming to a city near you, we hope people will let us know, and we'll see what we can do about that. Great. That's wonderful. And I'll also be at the New York City Vegetarian Food Festival May 21st, so anybody around here, uh, please come and hang out with all of us that weekend. Now, I do want to talk with you guys about so many other things because your story is fascinating, your blog is amazing, but I've got to ask you, Alan Cumming wrote your foreword. How on earth mm-hmm. did that come about? Do you want to know the answer to that? Yep. We, we asked him. This is one of the things. This is one of the things I tell people all the time. Um, whether it's getting ahead in 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 your career, whether it's getting ahead in your hobby, whether it's getting ahead in your activism, it does not hurt to ask. And um, there was a really weird kismet sort of um, stars aligning moment where back uh, last summer when we were writing in the thick of writing this book. And we were talking with our friend Liz D, actually, uh, and she, we were sort of brainstorming about different um, LGBT uh, vegans who are associated with or live in New York City and who we would really want that kind of person to write our, 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 um, our forward to our book. We pretty much unanimously agreed. It. We just really wanted it to be Alan Cummings. She had suggested it. It made so much sense. We've been huge fans of his forever. Um, Fast forward like a day later after we had mentally committed to this, someone who's friends with him on Instagram 
tagged him on one of our photos. We had um, tested out Beyond Meat's uh, new all-vegan Beyond Burger, and we had grilled it, and it, it's a great burger if anyone's never had it. And uh, uh, and so someone tagged him and said, hey, Alan Cumming, you've got to try this. And then all of a sudden we looked at it in our Instagram feed, and it said, Alan Cumming liked your photo. Alan Cumming is following you. And it's like, he's oh. following us. I'm like, yeah, he's following us. He's following 99 people. Wait a second. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to strike while the iron is hot. And so we just shot him a direct message and said, this is a far shot, but we were wondering if you'd help two vegan Mo's out. And uh, we've got a cookbook. We'd like you to write it. And he wrote back and said, I'd be happy to help. Here's my info. He gave us his contact info, and the rest is history. Oh. got to ask. I love that. I love that. And may history going forward always be that good. Yes. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about your history. There was a time I happen to know because you both are instructors at Main Street Vegan Academy. Michael, you're a graduate. I'm very honored that you went through our program. And the class that you teach for us is called Food as Activism. And you tell the story of the time when Ethan was a committed vegan and Michael was looking on and basically saying, hmm. (laughs) So take us back to that and tell us what happened. Okay, so Ethan had gone vegan, and he, as I think most people do when they first wake up to the truth about food and factory farming, started becoming very veganjelical, very preachy and immersed himself in videos of factory farming and would constantly ask how that plate of murder I was eating was or who's on my plate tonight. And the more he would push, the more I would dig my heels in because I am somewhat a stubborn person and no one is going to tell me what to do. Even though in my heart I instinctively knew what Ethan was doing was the right thing, I just didn't want to do it because I was pressured into doing it. I needed to do it on my own terms. And then one day I was watching Oprah, and Kathy Freston was on, and she was talking about leaning into veganism and being a flexitarian. I was like, oh, well, that sounds interesting. And so I started doing Meatless Mondays, which after a couple weeks I added on Tofu Tuesdays and then Vegetable Wednesdays, Tempeh Thursdays, just kept going slowly until I hit all seven days. And the seventh day was a Sunday, and we were down on the Jersey Shore at a friend's birthday party, and we knew there was going to be nothing there that would be suitable for Ethan to eat as a vegan and also nothing that I would want to eat as a person with taste. (laughs) But we also knew there was a pizza place nearby that had a full vegan menu. And we had been to it a few times, and so after the party, we went over there. Ethan ordered... Or Ethan said to me, do you know what you're going to have? I said, well, I know what I'd really want to get, but I know I'm going to order. I ordered off the vegan menu, and at the end of the meal, I looked at Ethan and said, okay, I've done seven days now. I'm vegan. And that was just kind of it. And the basic moral of the story is, even though you are vegan, you you may have just woken up to it, but the people around you still haven't. Mm -hmm. Shouting at them, pushing them, is only going to drive them further away. If you want to draw them in, Serve them really good vegan food. Wow. I I love that you use this term about being asleep. So if I'm asleep and somebody yells at me, I 
really dislike them and do not want to engage in a positive manner. If I am asleep and somebody brings me breakfast in bed, like maybe the fabulous French toast recipe that I happen to see in NYC Vegan, it's going to be a whole different thing. And I think that can work metaphorically, too. When somebody's asleep, you kind of nudge them over with wonderful food. I love that. Exactly. Yeah, you have to nudge them gently. If you're if you get really f- sort of forceful like that, you can actually startle them and 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 harm them in some yeah. way. Yeah. So, what was it like, Michael, before you switched? And I'm asking you this because there's something going on now in in my relationship. My husband went vegetarian very early, a couple of weeks after we met. Took a few years for him to get vegan. He's been vegan a long time, but I was always the one who was the healthy vegan, and I was always paying attention to that kind of thing and feeling like I was doing pretty well with the health and you know some level of fitness and that kind of thing. Well, now he has left me in the dust. He just decided he's going to become this super healthy, mega fit, metrosexual, and. It's been a little bit disconcerting because he's different than he was four months ago. So what was it like for you, Michael, when Ethan was different? Uh, Originally, to be perfectly honest, when Ethan said that he was going vegan, I was like, okay, sure, whatever. I thought this was just going to be a fad. I mean, because I had known about veganism for a long time, but I didn't really understand or appreciate the ethical reasons for doing it. And it's like, okay, you know, Ethan's on his own journey. I'm not going to tell him not to do it, but, you know, we'll see what happens with it. And that was just kind of my wait-and-see approach until it started more and more encroaching into my life. And it was simultaneously intriguing and obtrusive because I was working from the home at that time. So during the weeknights, I was doing more of the cooking. And it was a challenge to figure out what can I make that Ethan would eat and that I would enjoy and or that Ethan would enjoy and something I would eat. And I want to be very respectful of it. And I just started learning how to cook vegan and just take my old family recipes and Ethan's old family recipes and make them vegan so he would still be able to enjoy them. And more and more, as I think I started realizing subconsciously learning how to cook vegan, that, you know, you really don't give up anything flavor-wise, taste-wise, texture-wise when you switch to a vegan diet. And you can have everything you once loved. And that definitely helped me moving forward into it. There's a lot that goes on in the kitchen, isn't there? <laughs> it's There's just a lot, like but that's a, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, and they say the oh. kitchen the kitchen's the heart of the home. I mean, there's a lot to be said about that, and certainly in our relationship. Well, I wanted to ask you, Ethan. Michael did change, and very often in in relationships, somebody goes vegan, and in a short time or a longer time, the other person comes around or almost. You know, a lot of people go vegetarian; they'll be vegan at home. Whatever works. But what if Michael had never gone vegan? He stayed respectful of what you were doing, but just ate meat on into infinity. Do you have a sense of, of how different your relationship would be? I do. Um, you know, it's, I, so as Michael said, um, uh, you know, I had gotten uh, 
pretty far onto this journey on my own. Um, it actually started off, I always tell people, I, I went on Weight Watchers to lose weight. I went vegetarian for my health, but I went vegan for the animals. And um, by the time I had committed to going vegan, I mean, I had done Weight Watchers, lost 40 two pounds in like 16 weeks, um, really almost too fast, and um, committed to being vegetarian and um, really was drastically changing physically in front of people. Um, and then uh, also uh, sort of leaning in towards going vegan, which I did this all in a span of like less than six months. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of change for Michael to witness. And um, after I went vegan, you know, my sort of, my, my understanding of who Michael was at his core was the kind of thing where I kept thinking, like, this is a person who's committed to justice and equality. This is a person who is committed to, to what's fair, to not otherizing individuals, to not exploiting individuals. Like, there's absolutely no reason why Michael isn't vegan. And so, you know, uh, a lot of my pushing came from this place of, I know who you are. Your actions aren't aligning with your, your beliefs. Let's get them together here. And, you know, it was a very hard moment for me to recognize that like you know what he's just not there yet and after months and months of pushing you know i was talking about this actually with our our mutual friend jl fields who at the time was going through a very similar thing with her husband who she had gone vegan and her husband had not at that point um he he is vegan at this point um and you know uh, we, we were talking about the fact that they're on their own journey and one of the things that i really came to understand uh very clearly and when I stopped pushing was you know the commitment that we made in our marriage was that we were going to help each other to try to become the best versions of ourselves that we could be and not knowing necessarily what that version would look like but committed to supporting each other in our journey towards self-improvement and betterment and, and that has always been sort of the guiding rule in our relationship and uh, and Michael had really supported me in improving myself in this way and in following my better higher self in becoming both um, vegetarian and then vegan and really making this transformation in my life and in the way I, I chose to live my life. And if he was willing to accept the fact that I changed the rules in our relationship, then I should be willing to accept the fact that he's not willing to change the rules in our relationship as far as what he does. And I got to a place where I thought, what if he never goes vegan? Uh, and I just sort of thought, well, then he's no different than he was the day that I married him. And I, when I realized that, I just got good with it and thought, you know, you can see he's changing. Just give him space. And that's when I backed off. But, but at the same time, you know, I had no expectation that he was going to go vegan. And that day in the pizzeria when he told me that, you know, he knew what he wanted to eat, but he knew what he was going to eat, I thought, oh, that's nice. He's making a little concession to not eating animals when we're having a meal together. That's nice. But I had absolutely no idea at the end of the meal when he said, that's it. It's been a week. I've been vegan. I, I was uncharacteristically <laughs> silent. I was, I was flabbergasted. I was stunned. I was in a state of shock and actually didn't really know how to process that information. And how long ago was that? Oh, for me, I think it's been five years now. Yeah, it's almost, wow. six. almost six. And it was fall, it'll be six. 
So that's a fairly short amount of time to go from, okay, I've just been vegan for a week, so now we're both vegan, to award-winning blog, the Main Street Vegan Academy, your first book, maybe the first of many, and so much else going on in your lives to make the world better for animals and everybody else. I'm so yeah, excited. It's, it's been an amazing ride. <laughs> it oh, Well, and, and it's an amazing show, and we need to take a break. So uh, we'll come back after that break and talk about blogging and how to do it and what is food as activism and so many other things. Stay with us. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. You're 
listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan live stream or the Main Street Vegan podcast, however you are catching up with us today. I'm so happy that you've chosen to spend this hour with us. If you're new to the work of Main Street Vegan, please check out our website, MainStreetVegan.net, and you can learn about everything that's going on. We've got a documentary film in the works, The Compassion Project. We have an academy that trains vegan lifestyle coaches in a really fabulous, almost miraculous, I think, a six-day program in New York City. And there are books and there are things going on. So do check us out. And also be sure and look up our guests, veganmos.com. That's their website and their award-winning blog. They're also Vegan Mo's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and they've got a YouTube channel, and I will put all of that stuff on our show notes over at MainStreetVegan.net. Now, getting back to our conversation with uh, Michael Suchman and Dr. Ethan Cement, the authors of the brand new hot off the presses and just hot however you look at it book, NYC Vegan. Um you do teach, as I said earlier, food uh, food as activism class for Main Street Vegan Academy. And you talk a little bit about what we've just been talking about, your story. And then you zero in on how we can really use food to help bring people over. So how do you do that? I think the... You know, there's that old, uh, I can't, I've been trying for months, you know this, Victoria, I've been trying actually over a year to remember this 1970s or 1980s uh, commercial um, for some product where they, their tagline was, seeing is believing, but tasting is proof. If anyone mm-hmm. out there knows this, please let me know what this product was. I'm trying to give them credit. Um, and it's something that's always stuck with me because you can look at a recipe and you can, you can look at these things and you can have an abstract thought about, oh, that looks good, that looks nice, that looks easy, I could make that. But um, tasting is proof that there is a real direct uh, appeal and, you know, I can talk about a vegan lasagna. Like, for example, I went up um, to Albany two weeks ago to see my, my, my um, grandmother, and my uncle was there, and I made a vegan lasagna, and I made this whole vegan dinner for everybody, um, the vegan lasagna in our book. And, uh, you know, my uncle was just really tentative about, like, I don't know what that vegan cheese is, and I, I don't know. I, just, I don't know. I'm like, all right, it's fine. Have it if you want. No big deal. My grandmother's eating it and loving it, and I'm eating it. And he's watching, and my grandmother's sort of gushing about this. He's like, I can't believe that this is a vegan lasagna. It tastes so cheesy, blah, blah, blah. So he finally broke down, and he ate it. And you could see, like, literally his demeanor on his face changed. That, like, he, he had 
obviously a preconception about what this might taste like or a fear of what it would be, uh, that some sort of vegan cheese meaning weird cheese, right, in his mind. And he ate it, and his face softened, and he looked at me and said, this is incredible. This isn't dairy. And I said, no, it's not. Um, and that's how you get people. That's how you get them to recognize that, you know, if you can taste it, that's proof to them that they, they actually can enjoy this. Love it. And, and your lasagna is pretty fabulous, by the way. <laughs> awesome. It is pretty good. We love that lasagna. <laughs> I know that uh, Michael, as a, a graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy, has contributed a couple of recipes to um, the book. J.L. Fields and I um, have been working on the Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook that will come out in December. And we got so many lasagnas. And we were talking with the publisher and saying, you know, they're all so different. You know, one is Polish. I mean, there's just, there's, you know, we have this idea, this is what lasagna is, mozzarella, tomato sauce, wheat noodles. But there's so many different ways. One is raw and has zucchini instead of noodles. So you could do a whole cookbook that's just lasagna, vegan lasagna. The the possibilities are, are really endless. And when people say, oh, you don't eat meat, and fish, and eggs, and cheese, instead of focusing on, you can have a different kind of lasagna every night for the rest of your life. It's so true. Absolutely. Now, tell us, as we're talking about the cookbook, your advice for somebody who wants to write a cookbook. (laughs) First thing I would do is make sure you really want to do this. This is not for the faint of heart. It really isn't. I, I've, I, I've always said that I've, I've had tremendous respect for, for authors, for writers in general. I, I just think it's an incredibly um, intense process. And I think there was a part of me that always thought that cookbook writing is easier. It's not really like writing. And what I've come to learn in this process, um, which has been truly humbling, uh, for me at least, uh, is the amount of extreme attention to detail that is required to put one of these things together. Uh, and it is, um, it is humbling. It's inspiring. I am in awe of people who crank these things out. There are these authors who, you know, will crank out one or two of these books in a year. And I keep thinking, what's the size of your team that's helping you? Because, I mean, it's just, it's a lot of work. And it, it has to be a labor of love. So, I mean, that would probably be my first bit of advice. Like Michael said, be really sure that this is something that you want to do um, or almost that, you know, you feel like you need to do this. You have something that you have to put into the world. And sadly, the other big thing is, and I hate saying this, is be prepared to hear no. Because you may think your idea is absolutely amazing, but unfortunately there are people who are going to see it and say, you know what, no, don't think so. You know, nice try, but come back again. I mean, we've actually had people who, who had even suggested to us that the um, – that vegan vegan cookbooks have peaked their past peak. Why are you looking to do a vegan cookbook? Um, I, that was actually things that were said to us in, in the process of sort of thinking about writing this book, um, which is really surprising. Uh, but so you have to you have to steal yourself for that kind of pushback from all sorts of people. Mm-hmm. And you and find your theme because I know that was a big stumbling block for us. But find your theme. And 
I think any author will tell you, write what you know. <laughs> don't try to, if you don't know anything about, say, Indian cuisine, don't decide I'm going to write an Indian food cookbook. Write what is near and dear to you, and that's, I think, one of the things that has resonated with people about our book is that it reads to them like a love story to New York, which was really what we were going for. And you have to enjoy what you are doing, because if you don't like it and you don't like the theme you are doing, you are never going to get beyond a couple pages. Oh, you have just spoken so much wisdom, because I know JL and I went through the same thing. And, you know, we both got track records. This is book number 13 for me, first cookbook, but still 13. And JL has done a three previous cookbooks. You would think people would just be rolling out red carpets, but there is not a lot of red carpet to go around in the publishing industry anymore. And you've just got to have a really thick skin and a great willingness. And I love how you talked about how difficult it is to write a cookbook. We had Nava Atlas on, on the show a couple of years ago, and she's one of those people who has written, I don't know if it's 10 vegan cookbooks or, or 20. I mean, she's just really prolific. And she said that someone once asked Herman Melville why he wrote Moby Dick and he said it's just as hard to write a cookbook so I decided to write Moby Dick and (laughs) (laughs) I love that yeah well and especially now that you've done it and you know it's true so in your your love story to New York City we're really talking about a lot of foods that have been adapted from other countries and other places that people were before they came to New York City. And I think about this never more than when I visit the Lower East Side Tenement Museum. If anybody is visiting New York or lives in New York and you haven't been to the Lower East Side Tenement Museum, it is the most amazing experience. You can look them up at tenement.org. It's really a way to, to feel that you've lived that immigrant experience from several different points of time in the 1800s and the early 1900s. So, in a way, do you feel that you're writing not just an ode to New York City, but an ode to the many immigrants who've come here from everywhere? Unquestionably. You know, New York City is, um, when you start researching the cuisine of New York City, you you end up realizing that this is all about um, waves of immigration from different parts of the world at different periods of time. Um, people who've come here for different reasons, whether they were seeking um, a better life uh, because they were being persecuted where they, they lived, uh, escaping a regime, or... Um, uh, whatever whatever the, the impetus to leave and come here, uh, we're talking about people who brought their unique um, ethnic, sometimes religious, national cultures and cuisines with them. And really the, the story of, of, of New York City immigration is, is in many ways the story of America. Uh, and uh, it's interesting that this happened. You know, this book was written before um, and, and sort of done, <laughs> sort of in the bag as it were, before... Um, before the whole sort of recent political discussions over the past you know, nine to ten months um, have sparked in our country about um, immigration and, and the various perspectives on it. And uh, for us, it was a really um, wonderful experience to have to go into the researching the different types of um, communities from whom there, there's immigration and really um, 
understanding the different ethnic backgrounds, why they came here, what they've brought, and really it solidified for us the fact that America is a country of immigrants. New York City is a city of immigrants, and um, the diversity is really where we draw our strength. And, and uh, like we say in the book, that it's really New York City is, is more of a, a, a tossed salad. I know we were all raised with this idea that it's a melting pot, but a melting pot basically homogenizes everything. And here in New York City, we are a toss salad. Everyone retains their vibrant colors, their, their v different characteristics and, and, and whatnot, but our, our juxtaposition against one, one another is what really makes us pop, and we're, we're better than the sum of our parts. Oh, my goodness. That, that's, that's beautiful. I, I'm really, really moved by that. You, you use the word diversity, and I was struck the other day by a picture in the subway. It was a lovely raccoon, and a big sign said, New Yorker, with an arrow pointing to the raccoon. And there was a website from the city about you know how, how to live at peace with raccoons, because they, like the squirrels and the pigeons and the possums and everybody else who's here, are, are, they're New Yorkers, too. And I think wherever we live, it's this idea of we are all in this together, all the people and all the people who don't happen to be human. <laughs> so True, I saw um, that on your Instagram. Thank you. I got That's so much. People love that. I got a little note from Instagram saying, this is getting more play than your usual pictures. And it's like, well, I know because I don't take great pictures and people like raccoons. But... <laughs> <laughs> it, it really moved me. Of course, with my daughter being a wildlife rehabilitator, I'm sure that was part of it. But yeah. as we talk about diversity, I know that you guys are, are active in LGBT issues, and now you're also active in animal rights issues. So how do you bring those together, and what parallels do you see? Well, um, the parallels um, for anybody who is otherized uh, are, are pretty obvious. I mean, uh, it's, it's, I think we're at a, a unique moment uh, in sort of uh, a consciousness raising that's happening, certainly in our country, but I think around the world. Um, there has been um, some really, uh, there's been some very, very unfortunate um, sentiments that have come out um, publicly in the past many months. Um, people are being emboldened towards certain types of very um, antisocial um, behavior. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think people are beginning to realize is that women's rights are black rights, black lives matter rights, which are the same thing as immigrant rights, which are the same thing as LGBT rights. And the bottom line is that uh, whether you are um, somebody who has been marginalized because of your your ethnic origin, your nationality, your gender, your sexual orientation, whatever the differentiating characteristic is, um, being otherized is where the, the sort of majority, if you will, say, we're right and you're wrong, and therefore we use that as a reason to, uh, to exclude you or to oppress you or to exploit you or to bully you. And, you know, honestly, when you start to think about racism or sexism or heterosexism, 
speciesism is not a whole lot different. And uh, at its core, you're talking about a self-aware, sentient, living being, uh, 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 someone who is aware of themselves and oppressing them simply because they are how they were created. And that is, um, that's a really tough thing to get around. And when you've been the um, object of that kind of discrimination or persecution, it's easier to see the parallel sometimes in, in that with sort of same persecution towards people who are being persecuted for being different by a different characteristic. And, um, and by people, I do mean animals. Uh, Animals are as self-aware as we are. They feel pain and joy and love the exact same way that we do. And uh, it is um, no different what we would do um, to a dog than what we would do to a, a, a cow or a pig. I mean, what we do for food in this country, they do to dogs and cats and other animals that we would culturally be very afraid to do or horrified to do. They do it in other countries. And these are arbitrary distinctions that we make to sort of create our own comfort zones around these issues. But in the end, uh, in the end, um, it's easy as a person who has been fighting for LGBT rights and equality for, God, how long have we been doing this, Michael? 20, <laughs> 25 <what> years. years. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's easy for us to make the connection and recognize that animals are being otherized as well. Well, I don't know if it's your genetics or being vegan, but when you said 25 years, because I, 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 in all honesty, and, and I, I know you guys, I've seen you in person a bunch of times. I thought you were both in your mid-30s. Oh, bless you. So we, if, if you're not... Way it, to, we're way closer to 50. <laughs> really? Yeah. Just closer, absolutely. I, I never, ever would have thought. And I mean, I know you're, you're both professional people. You've both been to school and graduate school. But I thought... You hadn't been out in the world that long. Wow. Well, <laughs> well eat, thank you. eat your kale, drink your egg cream. It's <laughs> eat, uh, eat everything in our book and you will look young too. How's that? <laughs> that's, that's good. That's a, that's a tagline as you're going out there all around look, looking um, to get more and more people to treat themselves to this wonderful book. And it is a wonderful book. Just think about ways you can share this with your friends. If somebody maybe is going to be going to school in New York or their child is going to school in New York or they're going to be taking a trip to New York or they took a trip to New York and they wish they could go back, get them this book and, and get a copy for yourself. You'll be so happy that you did. Thank you so, so much, Michael and Ethan. And everybody, read the book, read their blog, and if you can catch up with them on the road, oh, by all means, do that. And again, all their uh, social media and info is going to be on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. And when you're there, take a look at this week's blog. It's actually an essay by myself called From Compulsive Eating to Conscious Eating that appears in the book The Reducitarian Solution. Way controversial idea uh, for a lot of vegans, but I just think we need to be getting people wherever we can find them. And I'm actually really proud of this essay. I think it's one of my better pieces of writing in a long time, and I hope you'll want to take a look and let me know what you think. 
Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Unity Online Radio for truly being the voice of an awakening world. Our wonderful engineer, Mr. Jeff Comfort, and most of all, always, to you, our listeners, God bless you, eat your veggies, and your lasagna, and all the other wonderful foods in NYC Vegan, and we'll see you next week. for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Each of us has a unique purpose, a special gift to offer the world. Despite the differences in our talents and abilities, there is one gift that we all can share, the gift of peace. Peace isn't something that takes a particular talent. It's an ability we all possess. All we have to do is tap into it. Peace doesn't require a certain set of circumstances either, but rather a state of willingness. When I do whatever is mine to do from that place of peace within... I contribute to the peace of the world. James Dillett Freeman said, I give the gifts that are mine to give, as naturally as a tree gives shade or a bird's song. It is my nature to give. I give peace. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world.
You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. 